Father, we come to Thee and we just ask for Your blessings today as we give You our praise and our worship that's due to You. Pray for those who couldn't be with us today and for those who are to come in the future. Uh, we just ask that You will help us to open our hearts to You as You know our hearts, Lord. Ask that You will bless the message and that we will receive it and adapt our lives to conform to your word. Ask that you will bless us as we leave this place today and go our separate ways and help us to take what you've given us today and share it in this dark world. We ask that you will bless Pastor as he brings the message and help us again to see you in the words that he brings today. We love you and we give you all the praise and glory that's due to you through the name of Jesus we pray these things amen amen today is the Sabbath and for most Americans it is not a special day have you noticed that there are already large tents set up in front of many businesses as they prepare to make money selling Christmas trees I know that the holiday season is a cultural tradition, and for most people, it's a happy time. But an observation I made many years ago, beginning when I was 13 years old, is that there is not even 
one command or even the hint of a suggestion in God's word that directs us to celebrate the birth of Jesus as a national holiday. I find it ironic that the real special day God created that he wanted us to commemorate is barely recognized by the religious community. If you think about it, the climax of Genesis chapter 1 isn't even about the creation of human beings. Rather, the climax of Genesis chapter 1 is all about the institution of the Sabbath for human beings as a day of rest and worship. The Sabbath protects us from becoming totally absorbed by our work and our culture. We were created to be in relationship with one another. We were created to be in relationship with God's amazing creation here on planet Earth. And we were created to be in a relationship with our Creator. And within these relationships, God intends our work to be an expression of our worship. God intends that the way we take care of creation should reflect our love for him. Yes, if you don't recycle, you need to start. <laughs> and God intended that whatever we do in word or deed, we should do to his glory. So during the holiday season, I'm confident about what should be the priority characteristic in my life that allows others to see me as a follower of Jesus. I'm not against celebrating the birth of Jesus. Actually, the birth of Jesus is an important doctrine. How there, however, there is something more important in the Bible that the Bible teaches that should be a priority a greater priority for us as followers of Jesus. And this priority teaching is echoed by the word adopted by the first century believers to identify them as a group of people who are Jesus followers. The word church means for those who are called out of the world, well, the word is ecclesia, and it means those who are called out of this world. If you are truly a member of the church, then you have a responsibility to live a holy life, not conforming to the ways of the world. And you are instructed not to hide from the world, but to be salt and light in the world. This is a major theme in the Old Testament and the New Testament. God calls out his people for himself and he summons his people to be different from everybody else. And we are instructed to be people living in the world as witnesses for Jesus. In the Old Testament, God told his people, be holy because I am holy. Leviticus chapter 11, verse 45. In the New Testament, 
The Apostle Peter wrote, Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. This instruction is a major theme. It is foundational in all the main sections of the Bible, whether it's in the books of the law or the prophets or the teaching of Jesus or in the teachings of the apostles. We, as God's people, are instructed not to be conformed to the standards of the nations and cultures around us. Now, for me, preaching about not being conformed to the world seems like an appropriate topic to preach during the holiday season because the world around us bombards us with a message that is not found in Scripture. We are constantly faced with the challenge of materialism during the entire holiday season. We are faced with an unrelenting deluge of advertising and we are pressured to purchase just the right gifts. And all, all of this can smother your spiritual life. Jesus taught us not to store up treasure on earth and he warned us against covetousness. The Apostle Paul echoed this teaching of Jesus. He wrote that godliness with contentment is great gain. And he continued by writing that we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. And so we are reminded of the God-fearing man in the Old Testament, Job, who said that naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. In other words, our lives on earth are a brief pilgrimage between two moments of nakedness. We would be wise to travel light. We're not taking anything with us. There are other areas in modern life that we should also do our best to avoid conforming to. Our politically correct culture now tells us that Jesus' followers are intolerant, that we must embrace other religions because all roads lead to God. So we are told by modern religion and philosophy, well, I can respect another person's right to choose their belief, but I humbly disagree with any choice that rejects the uniqueness and the finality of our Lord and Savior, Messiah Jesus. And then there is the challenge of ethical relativism. We know what that is. All around us, moral standards have taken a nosedive. People are confused as to whether there are any moral absolutes. Relativism has permeated our culture and it also has seeped insidiously into the church. Only a few years ago, it was almost universally accepted throughout the country that marriage is a monogamous, heterosexual, loving, and lifelong union, and that marriage is the only God-given context for sexual intimacy. Those moral standards are long 
gone. These days, even among churches, cohabitation is promoted outside the commitment of marriage, and even worse, same-sex partnerships are promoted as a legitimate marriage And even worse, same-sex marriages are promoted. We as followers of Jesus are not called to conform to the world. Rather, we are called to apply biblical principles in every situation. Jesus taught us godly principles. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? He said, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Our culture has moved rapidly and decisively away from a Christ-centered lifestyle. Now, I promise I'm not going to get carried away from this point. I don't want, to be, I don't want you to leave feeling negative, <laughs> feeling upset, especially with the holiday season, just about to kick into high gear. (laughs) Instead, let's spend some time exploring something very positive and uplifting. Instead of focusing on nonconformity, let's focus on what I believe is the number one purpose that God has for you in your life. Do you know what God's priority purpose is for your life. God's priority purpose for your life is this. God wants you to become more like Jesus. So listen now as I quote three verses that tell us precisely that God wants you to become more like Jesus. The first verse I'll quote is from the Old Testament. I'm sorry, it's from the New Testament, but it deals with the past. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. A very familiar passage to those of us who know the writings of Paul. God has predestined his people to be conformed to the image of his son. This tells us what God had in mind for you and me. God's plan for you and me from eternity past is that he wants us to be like Jesus. Being like Jesus is the eternal purpose of God for believers from eternity past. The second verse is from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. As all of us reflect the glory of the Lord with unveiled faces, we are becoming more like him with ever-increasing glory by the Lord's Spirit. In this verse, God's perspective has been changed from eternity past to the present. Right? If you are a believer, then God is right now, presently, supernaturally changing you from the inside out. God, by means of his Holy Spirit, is transforming you to become more like Jesus. The third verse takes our commitment, our transformation from the present into eternity future. 
1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when Jesus is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. It can't get any better. Not only are we being transformed in the present to be like Jesus, but we are promised that in our future we will be with Jesus and we will be like Jesus. Does it get any better? No. I'm talking positively right now. <laughs> These three verses taken together combine the past, the present, and the future toward the same purpose and end. What is that end? It is God's priority purpose for your life. God's priority purpose for your life is that he wants you to become more like Jesus. Followers of the way. And the Bible is very clear about this priority. From cover to cover. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 and 7. Have the same attitude of mind Christ Jesus had. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. During the Last Supper, in the upper room, Jesus took off his outer garments. He tied a towel around himself. And then, what did he do? He washed the feet of the disciples. And when he was done and had taken his place at the table, he turned toward them and said, Now that I, your master, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example, and you should do as I have done for you. This was a clear message. The example was undeniable. We are instructed by Jesus himself to serve others just as he served others. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2, we read, Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. We are directed to live a life of love. The same kind of love that Jesus had. And do you know what kind of love that is? That's the kind of love that causes you to be a servant to others, even to the point of death, if he calls us to that point. And if that's not enough, when Jesus prayed to his father in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said these words, As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. During his priestly prayer, 
Jesus was praying about his disciples, but what he said was applicable to us, just as Jesus had to enter our world, we as his disciples are expected to enter the world of other people. We are called out not to conform, but not to hide away. We know what the Bible says God wants for us. God wants us to become more and more like Jesus. That's what he wants. Is that what God is getting? Considering God's priority plan for each of us to become more and more like Jesus, as I hammer that concept home, how would you summarize the effectiveness of the church? I must say that the church, taken as a whole, is shallow and lacking spiritual maturity. The church lacks a spiritual relationship with Jesus. The church has become a religious supermarket. Hundreds of flavors in our country alone. And most believers never move beyond their first encounter with Jesus. And those that do often proclaim a Jesus that I can't find anywhere in the Bible. And those that do proclaim this other Jesus, well, they annoy me. <laughs> there is Jesus the capitalist, as proclaimed by the health and wealth advocates. There is Jesus the socialist, as proclaimed by devotees who seem to focus only upon social concerns and ignore the command from Jesus to spread his gospel message. How about the ascetic Jesus? Or the consumer Jesus? <laughs> Back in the 1970s, there, was, there were some musicals that celebrated Jesus. If you're as old as I am, you will remember these. In one musical named Godspell, Jesus was celebrated as a clown. In another musical, Jesus Christ Superstar, Jesus was celebrated as a rock star. There are many varieties of Jesus that have come along, but they are all defective. They're defective versions. Not one of them, of them deserve our worship and service. We need to know the authentic Jesus as described in the Bible. Earlier in the hour, we read the way the Apostle Paul proclaimed Jesus the Messiah. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20, 
We read that Jesus is the Lord of creation and he is the Lord of the church. Through Jesus, all things were made and through Jesus, all things are reconciled. He is the image and fullness of God. Indeed, Jesus is the head of the universe and he is the head of the church. He is the Lord of both creations. This is the powerful portrait painted by the Holy Spirit through the writing of the apostles. I cannot, I will not agree with so many others who claim to know Jesus as a clown or a rock star or some kind of political messiah. Where do they get their ideas? It's no wonder the church is so full of immature believers. They are blinded by their ignorance. If you want to know Jesus, all you need to do is read the Bible. But most people don't. The Bible is full of Christ. Jesus himself said, the scriptures testify about me. This Bible that we read is a meta story from cover to cover about Jesus. Jesus says so. Ignorance of Scripture becomes ignorance of Jesus. So there you have it. Now you know where my thoughts go during the holiday season. My thoughts invariably turn toward Jesus. And my thoughts turn to the place to learn about Jesus, which is in the Bible. So as you read scripture this month, look for Jesus in the words that you read. As you read scripture and you look for Jesus, look to love more, feel, more fully, to trust more completely, to follow his commands more obediently. There is a clear discipleship principle in scripture. The poorer your vision of Jesus, the poorer your discipleship will be. On the other hand, the richer your vision of Jesus, the richer your discipleship will be. To be more like Jesus, you need to know who Jesus is. Our desire for the coming holiday season that's already upon us now in our culture should be to know Jesus more fully as his followers, to have a clear vision of Jesus so that we can grow spiritually mature as his followers. So God bless you and keep you as you seek to become more like Jesus, our Savior, our Master. Amen and hallelujah. I'm